Amen. Praise the Lord for his fierce love. Amen. If you have a Bible, open it up to Psalm chapter 146. Psalm 146 is where we're going to be this morning when we start here in just a moment. And so turn there with me, if you will. Um, I do want to share uh, just a huge thank you to Pastor Greg uh, for preaching for us last week uh, in the morning and evening service. And I'm sure if you were able to be here, you were blessed by the message he brought. Messages, I should say. And uh, my wife and I had an opportunity to go down to uh, South Carolina. And so we drove all day Thursday and all day Sunday uh, to get back Sunday night just before all this crazy snow hit. So we were thanking the Lord for that, uh, that we were able to dodge all of that. But we were so blessed. Uh, Sandra's cousin, uh, Grace, uh, some of you have met her family or know her family. Uh, her father, Gary, uh, and his wife, Norma, have been up a few times. Uh, they have three daughters, and uh, he is a music pastor at a church in Arkansas, and so has been in the ministry for many, many years. They've come around Christmas time off and on through the years. They've sang for us, and so maybe some of you remember them singing for us. It's an amazing family, and uh, uh, Gary is the one that I was blessed to go to Romania with, uh, with, along with some other people from his church there in Arkansas, and so just an amazing family, and so I was blessed to be able to perform that wedding for them and to see Grace and her new husband, Pedro, uh, married. It was a great blessing. Um, I will say this. Uh, Pedro is Hispanic. Uh, his family is both Mexican and Spanish. And so uh, it was amazing to see, and I really do mean this, uh, just the cultural influence, uh, not, not only in the, in the ceremony or the wedding, but also just in the reception and just some of the traditions that they have uh, in the reception was really, really amazing to watch. And some of it quite encouraging to see how they just showed love to one another and just loved on each other. Uh, but there was one or two things that caught me a little off. And I'll, I can share more if you're interested later. But there's a ceremony they do where basically they try to knock the groom off a chair. Like that's just odd to me on your wedding day. Like... You should wait a little while before you attack the groom, right? I mean, that should be like maybe year five, year 10, you start going after the groom. But uh, it was just some really cool things I got to see and be a part of. And so we had a great trip back, um, great weather on the way back. And so thank you so much for your prayers while we were gone. But I was so blessed to hear uh, Pastor Greg share the word of God with you. And uh, just so many through the week were encouraging me to let me know how much it spoke to them and encouraged them. And so, so thankful for him and his ministry here. Uh, this morning, uh, what we're going to be doing is kind of jumping into the 12 days of praise, the 12 days of praise. And so what I want to do is many of us have heard the 12 days of Christmas, and I know that uh, many TV channels and uh, movie channels and all of that are already really going with the Christmas movies and stuff, um, and that's awesome. I love Christmas. I love this time of year. Getting to celebrate with family and friends is always good, and so I just I love that time together. But over, actually, between today and Thanksgiving, if you count today and count Thanksgiving, we are 12 days from Thanksgiving. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to kind of start us on a journey to walk these next 12 days with purpose and intent, with a purpose and with an intent. As we prepare to celebrate Thanksgiving in really just 12 days, I want us as a church and as individuals to spend these 12 days taking time each day, expressing our gratefulness to the Lord of our salvation. I would also encourage you, maybe for you individually, something you would like to do is over the next 12 days, uh, get a, a praise journal and just get a notebook together. Maybe even on your phone, you just do it in your notes thing on your phone. But take the next 12 days and every day just spend a few moments praising him for something that day. 
praising him for some way that he has blessed you, some way that he's encouraged you, some way that he's provided for you. Now, maybe you would write down actual things. Maybe you'd write down some people in your life that God has blessed you with in relationship, in your family, or in your area of influence. Maybe you would jot down, I don't know, your church family, or, or someone in your life that's encouraged you. Maybe it wouldn't even be that specific. Maybe it would just be more general things that you're thankful for. Maybe you would praise him for who he is as being the God and Savior of your life. It's an amazing opportunity to spend time each day, spending each day thinking with intent and purpose, God, I want to praise you today for this. I want to be thankful today for this. And now here's what it's not about. It's not about making the biggest list. Okay? And it's not about coming up with the biggest list. It's also not even, and you can do this, you can share it publicly if you want, obviously, that's up to you, but it's not even really for someone else. That's, that's kind of the crazy thing. It's not that I make my list and then I try to tell it to as many people as possible. I mean, we can share praises with other people, obviously. We do that and we should do that. But this next 12 days, this time of just praise, let it be a time where it's just you and the Lord. And you're saying, Lord, I want to praise you for this today. And it's not about trying to compare it with other people or, you know, whatever, try to match up with other people's praises. It's about just saying, God, I'm going to spend 12 days with purpose and intent, journaling down, journaling out how I'm so thankful for these things, how I'm thankful uh, for you and for who you are, being the God that you are. To begin these 12 days, I want to dive into a verse, actually two verses in the book of Psalms. And so Psalm 146 and verse 1. Psalm 146 and verse 1. Pretty simple two verses here, but I believe we can, we can know these things are true, but living this out is much more complicated. Psalm 146 and verse 1 says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, will I praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. And verse 2 is so powerful. While I live, will I praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. I'm going to ask that we would bow our heads. I know Pastor Greg just prayed, but I want to ask God to just help us to get an attitude of thankfulness this morning, to, to start thinking on this attitude of praise. And I know it's hard, depending on what you're going through, I know it's hard to, to actually be thankful maybe this morning because of where you find yourself in your life right now. But I want to encourage you, when you read the psalmist here, the psalmist is making a purposeful decision to say, no matter what, if there's being in me, if, if there's life in me, I will praise. It's a determinative decision. It, I'm, I'm making sure I know this is the case. No matter what circumstances, I will sing praises. I will praise him. And so I want to ask that we would ask for God's help in that. Because I can't do that naturally, by the way. I can't come to that on my own. I need God's grace and his strength and his influence and leadership to make this happen in my life. And so let's pray and ask God to do that in our lives today. Father, as we begin this journey of the next 12 days leading up to a a day that we call Thanksgiving, a day that has been set aside to show thankfulness and, and to be grateful for what we have and what we've been blessed with. Lord, I pray that you would help us to begin today with a mindset of praise, with, with a, a, an idea of determining in my heart and mind that no matter what comes ahead, I will praise you. No matter what I'm going through, I will praise you. And Lord, I know that is difficult. I know that is hard. But I pray that you would help us look beyond our circumstances and our situations and to truly be thankful. And I believe this can be done only by depending on you and leaning on you and your grace. 
And so, Lord, I'm not saying we got to be happy with what we're going through, that we got to be uh, looking forward to what we're going through necessarily. But, Lord, even going through things we don't want to go through, we can still be thankful if you will give us the right perspective, the right mindset, and that we'll see it in the right way. So, Father, as we walk this out this morning, I pray that you'd help us to understand these things and to apply these things for your glory and for your praise. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. In the book of Psalms, or for some of us, Psalms, depending on if you were saying that when you were a kid, you used to say Psalms. Um, I never did, of course, but some of you maybe stumbled with that. And it's kind of like the book of, you know, Job or Job, depending on which way you go with it. Um, it's an amazing book, to be honest. And the reason it's an amazing book is because it reveals to us the hearts and minds of those that loved God, those that followed God. It reveals to us so much about things that people went through. Real people in real time went through great struggles, and they cried out to God. And so many times you read about someone saying, God, where are you? God, why have you forgotten me? God, where did you go? God, how long are you not going to answer this prayer? God, how long are the wicked going to prosper? God, how, God, God. And it's all of this like, God, where did you go? Why aren't you doing what I believe you should do? And then usually by the end of the psalm, nothing seemingly has changed in the person's life, but now they're like, God, I praise you because I know the God that you are. God, I praise you because I know that what you've done in the past, you'll do it again. God, I'm thanking you for this or that. God, I'm praising you for this or that. And so, so many times we see this kind of journey of people's faith, and I love that because that's how I can be, right? You ever feel like as a Christian, you're kind of like this? We don't want to be. We don't want to be down here at times, but life is hard. And sometimes we aren't always up here. We don't always feel like we're up here. And so the Psalms, the book of Psalms is amazing because when people are down here, guess what? God doesn't reject them. When the psalmist said, God, I feel pretty low, God doesn't say, oh, I'm sorry. I only take high, you know, upbeat believers today. No, he, he wants to hear all of it. But the key is when we're down here, we got to endeavor by God's grace to not stay down there, right? We got to say, no, God, I know I'm in a low spot right now, but I pray that you'd lift me up. I pray that you change my mind, renew my thinking, renew the right spirit within me. And so in the book of Psalms, we see so much of this. To give you a little background on the book itself, it's a very large book. If you endeavor to read the book of Psalms, there's so much content. Uh, really, the book of Psalms is divided into three books originally and contains some of the most interesting content. The book is primarily written in a form of poetry. That's kind of what we see. It has this flow and rhyme to it at times. Albeit, there are times where we'll read it and go, this doesn't sound like poetry that I know. It's because it's more of a Hebrew understanding of poetry. And so there is a difference there. But among this great literary work, and even in my high school English textbook, I graduated in 2000, and in my high school English 12 textbook was Psalm 23. It was right there. And I remember I asked my teacher one time, I was like, wait a minute, you, we can't teach the Bible, you can't teach me scripture, but here in my textbook, if you said, read, you tell me, read Psalm 23, that's an assignment? Like, how does that mesh up? This is a public school. And she said, well, no, 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 it's a great literary work. And so as an example of literature, that's why it's in your book. The prodigal son was in there as well. And so while, yes, it's an amazing book, it's, it's amazing literature, it goes deeper than that, obviously, for us, we find ourselves understanding this is more than just a great work of art as far as literature is concerned. In the book of Psalms, we find the writers themselves desired to praise God with all that is in them. And I pray and I believe we have that same desire today. I believe that every believer, every Christian wants to be praise-focused. 
Every believer desires to be praise-focused. But life sometimes can get us off track. Life sometimes can get us thinking differently. And so what do we do? We want to be praise-focused. And we get to this time of year, and what do we always hear about this time of year? What's everybody talking about? Be thankful, right? People are on Facebook already, and it's so cool, putting down what they're thankful for. I love it. But the question we have to ask is, as believers, as Christians, how do we move from seasonal thanksgiving to a life of praise? How do we move from seasonal thanksgiving, where everyone for the next couple of weeks is going to be really thankful for all the stuff they have, and then right after they're going to fight each other and try to murder each other to get stuff they don't really need at the store? Right? So it's a season. And as, by the way, listen, I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek. I am so thankful that our nation sets aside a time to be thankful. I think it's so cool that we do that. I think it's great that our nation sets aside a day to praise God for thankful and be thankful. So I'm not making fun of the season. I'm saying, but if we're not careful, we just, we just do it because it's the season. It's like so many people volunteer at soup kitchens and, and go to like, you know, thrift places and try to fold clothes for the homeless and all, get, do all these things for the homeless or the needy between now and Christmas, but then January and February and March comes around and those places are still needing help. But people are just kind of like, oh, well, you know, I mean, I, I did my time. I served when it was Thanksgiving. That's when you do that stuff. So how do we move from just a season of Thanksgiving as believers to an actual praise-centered focus as believers to where we're not just waiting for Thanksgiving to be thankful. I know we're not all doing that. I understand what I'm saying here. But I think sometimes we just fall into a season and it just is something we do because it's the season. But we want to be more than that. We want to go deeper than that. We want to look into the book of Psalms and say, how can we go deeper than that and become praise-focused, praise-centered? Well, the way we do that and the way we become praise-focused is we become God-glorifying. We become God-glorifying. The truth is, to be God-glorifying, we have to be humble. We have to humble ourselves to really be God-glorifying. If I'm puffing myself up, I'm not elevating God. I'm elevating self, which is actually de-escalating or bringing God down. We can't both be up there. And so humility is a key in being God-glorifying. If I'm going to be praised-focused, and it's going to be more than a seasonal thing, I've got to be God-glorifying. It's about him and promoting him, which takes great humility. I've referenced it before, but the Westminster Confession said it best when it said this. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. The truth is a man will experience the highest levels of joy when he is glorifying God. As human beings, as believers, we will experience the highest points of joy when we're glorifying God. When I'm trying to promote self and focus on self and what I want to do, we might have surface happiness or surface joy. But I truly believe the highest levels of joy come from glorifying God. Why? Because that's why I was made. That's why I was created. I was created, you were created to glorify him. Now we know, we always say, well, God made us for relationship. It's true. God created us and desires relationship with us. But the ultimate purpose for creating you was not merely relationship. I mean, true or false, did God have relationship with the angels? To a certain degree. Beyond that, God has relationship within himself, the Trinity. 
God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There's relationship. And by the way, God the Father doesn't have to fight for unity or oneness with the Son. He doesn't got to try to convince the Son to be in unity with Him. They're always in unity, always in perfect relationship. And so relationship is not the fundamental reason for creation. God's glory in us as we choose to submit ourselves to Him and promote His glory and honor Him and praise Him in all things through relationship. That's the key foundation of why we were created. And so it makes sense that that's why I was created by God. Then when I'm doing what I was created to do, I should then have the most joy in my life. Now, here's the thing. We know we go through things that aren't always happy situations. But joy here, what I'm talking about, is not the same as happiness. See, the joy that we have in Christ, the joy we have in God, it goes beyond circumstances. So when things aren't going the way I want, I still have a joy because it's found in my relationship through salvation with Christ, not in how I feel about him or what I'm going through. When we become God-glorifying, we literally must find ourselves falling face down before a great and holy God, choosing with humility to say, God, you are great and I am not, and I will honor and glorify you and you alone. We will never truly praise until we see the depth of his awe and his wonder. We spoke about the wonder of God and his unapproachable light two weeks ago. We talked about the holiness of God and that God dwells in unapproachable lights. That without a mediator between us and God, we could not even enter his presence without being consumed, the Bible says. But now that we have this mediator, we can continue to dwell and look to the awe of God. This last Wednesday, actually, and if any of you are interested, if you weren't able to, to be there Wednesday, I would love to give you this. Uh, it's just a simple kind of uh, listing of all the perfections of God. We also call them the attributes of God, the things that make God God, according to what God's word reveals to us. His, his eternity, his holiness, right? His sovereignty, his omniscience, that he's all-knowing and all-powerful and always present at all times, all those attributes and those perfections of God, we just spent time Wednesday night just going through those and talking about how amazing our God is. And then I encourage the group over the next couple of weeks or maybe even longer to just take one of those things or maybe two of those things and just praise God for being that. Uh, praise God that he is eternal Eternity past and an eternity future. Praise God that he is love. Amen? Praise God that he is holy. Praise God that he is always present at all times. Do you ever stop to think about how amazing it is that our God is always present at all times? He's everywhere at once. That means when you bow your head in prayer and I bow my head in prayer, he's not, we're not fighting over his attention. He's not having to pick and choose, well, I'm going to listen to John for five minutes, and then I'm going to listen to Julie for ten minutes over here. Okay, by the way, that's, he listens to Julie probably a little longer than me because she's pretty spiritual, okay? She's pretty far up there, I'm just saying. That's not how God works, though, right? God's not like, we're not battling for his attention. No, no, when you bow your head in prayer, he is there like that. He is always with you, the Bible says, by the working of his Holy Spirit. Man, we can praise him for that. But when we stop and realize who he is, man, he gets pretty big. and We get pretty small. And that's completely okay and very healthy. You see, Louis Giglio said it best, and I've mentioned this before, but sin has a way of making God seem really, really small and us seem really, really big. Sin will make us seem like we're all, it's all about us. 
and God is very small and kind of off in the corner. But when we dwell to understand who he is as revealed in Scripture, man, he becomes even bigger and greater and more majestic, and we will glorify him because we're humbling ourselves before him. Another way that we will become God-glorifying is not just with being humble before him, but also understanding the otherness of God. The otherness of God. Go to Psalm chapter 50. Psalm chapter 50 and verse 1. And I know what you're thinking. Otherness, is that even a word? And I'll tell you where I discovered that word, and I thought it was just an amazing idea here. Psalm chapter 50 and verse 1. Psalm chapter 50 and verse 1. The Bible says here, The mighty God, even the Lord, hath spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God hath shined. Go to verse 12. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. Verse 21. These things hast thou done, and I kept silence. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such a one as thyself, but I will reprove thee and set them in order before thine eyes. And God has an otherness that we need to understand. He is not like us. He is mighty, and he is separate from us. It is amazing that God is declaring that he alone is God and is not dependent on us for anything. And God doesn't need us for anything. He is completely self-sufficient. There is an otherness to God that we have to begin to wrestle with and to understand if we are going to glorify him. He is not like you and I. I know we say that, that we are like him and made in his image. We share the simple identities of intelligence, will, and emotion with God in the sense that I am an intelligent being and God has intelligence, that I have a will that I can purpose what I'm going to do, God has a will. And I have emotion that I can experience and feel things, God has emotion. And so he gave us those in creation, but that is where our likeness stops. And even then, our emotions are not like God's emotions because we're in sin. So when God got angry and God got righteously angry, he could execute perfect anger and perfect judgment in balance. We don't do that. The Bible says that God is jealous for us. We understand jealousy, but we understand jealousy as through sin. So we can't be jealous in a way that God is jealous, but we share emotion. But once we get to those three things, the rest of the connection stops. The Bible is pretty clear. We don't think like him. We can't think like him. But through Christ, over time, we are being made into the image of Christ. And one day we'll leave this world and we'll see him and be like him, and then we will be like him. Not divine, but without sin. We'll finally be in the presence of God. God is only described as having an otherness. It's, it's, it's different than anything we can experience or understand. If we are not careful, we in the church can take the extraordinary that is our God and make him sound completely ordinary. We fail to realize his otherness. A.W. Tozer wrote it this way. Left to ourselves, we tend to reduce God down to manageable terms. Man, we try to reduce God down to manageable terms. Another amazing 
preacher said it this way. Spurgeon said, Do men fancy that the Lord needs banners and music and incense and fine linen? He, he says this, Do men fancy the Lord needs banners and music and incense and fine linen? Does he need those things? Because if he did, the stars would emblazon his standard The winds and the waves become his orchestra. 10,000 times 10,000 flowers would breathe forth perfume. The Apostle Paul echoes the same message we read here in Acts chapter 17, verse 25, when he says that God is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. And do we really sit here today and think, God, you need me? Like if you decided to stop walking with him, if you decided to just say, you know what, God, I don't want anything to do with you, that somehow that would stop him? Do we really think that God is that manageable, that, that we can reduce him down that way? Or do we stop and say, no, God, you are beyond anything I can even comprehend or imagine. You don't need me for anything. But God, I need you for everything. See, that's the difference. We exchange that truth. We started thinking somewhere that God needs us. In reality, we desperately need him. What does the song say? Every hour, Lord, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. Spurgeon said it well. If he did need those things, look at the majesty of creation. He has all that he could ever want to praise him. Now, here's the beauty in this. So then we should just not praise, right? We should just give up and say, well, forget it. He doesn't need it. No, no, no. He takes joy in when we praise him. When the voice of the redeemed cry out and sing out and praise him and pray to him and rejoice in him, he doesn't need it, but he desires it because it reflects his glory. It praises him and he is all about his glory. He loves to hear the praise of his people. As a church today, and as many churches in our county and in our country today, we do not need a new program or a new strategy. Written over half a century ago, it is relevant today when, again, A.W. Tozer also wrote, what the church needs today is a restoration of the vision of the Most High God. See, we don't need to come up with some new way to do something, try and make God more. No, no, no. We just need to go back to understanding, man, this is who our God is. And when I understand the otherness of God, when I humble myself before him, I will live in a way that honors and praises him. I don't got to be convinced anymore, do this and don't do that and check this box and don't check that. And dip. No, no, no. When I just realize who he is, I'll, I'll desire by being in relationship with Jesus Christ to honor him and glorify him because how can I do anything else when I realize who he is? To become praise focus means that we need to become God glorifying, but also to become praise focused means we need to become God-centered. God-centered. The key to a praise focus is being God-centered. Psalm chapter 150, verse 1. Go back to, towards the back of the book of Psalms. Psalm 150. Psalm chapter 150, verse 1. Psalm 150 and verse 1. Did I say Psalm 50 the first time? No? Okay. Psalm 150, verse 1. Not that I would ever make a mistake. I'm just saying, if you misheard me in what I said. No, I've made a mistake a couple times. Just a couple times, though. Psalm 150 and verse 1. 
to become praise-focused, to go beyond seasonal thanksgiving and make it a lifestyle of praise. We become God-glorifying, and we become God-centered. Listen to Psalm 150, verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. And Anthony said, amen. My son plays trumpet. Anyway. Praise him with the psaltery and the harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with the stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Here's the key. Verse 6. This is the key. If we get nothing else this morning, we've got to get this. Verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Again, praise ye the Lord. When we read this psalm and we read all these things that are talked about being used to praise him, I want us to understand that in just these few six verses, we see the who, the where, the why, and the how of praise. We see the who, the where, the why, and the how of praise in just six simple verses. So the who of praise, who is called to praise him, the Bible says, everything that breathes. If it breathes, it should praise him. The where of praise. Where does praise take place? The Bible makes it clear everywhere, both in and out of the church, everywhere praise takes place. The why of praise. Why in the world would I even want to praise him? Why would I want to stop and take time out of my schedule, out of my day, to even acknowledge and praise him? The reason or the why is because of every act an attribute of God. Not only of who God is, but of what God has done and what God will do gives us the why of praise. And then the how of praise. How do I praise him? Well, simply put, with everything. How do I praise God with with everything you praise him? We see some examples of praise in this passage, but I want to be clear, these are not exhaustive examples. The means of praise go way beyond a list of actions or instruments. Also, in just these six verses, we are commanded to praise the Lord 13 times. 13 times we're commanded to praise the Lord. This word praise is in the Hebrew word halal, which means boast or shine the glory of God. To boast or shine the glory of God. This idea leads to the word hallelujah or praise the Lord. See, when the psalmist is writing here, it's an acclamation, it's an encouragement. I should say it's a declaration to praise the Lord everywhere at all times with everything that you have. And isn't this the whole story of relationship between God and God's people? With everything, love the Lord, right? With your heart, mind, body, and soul. With everything, love him. Even Paul says later in the New Testament, whatsoever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, whatever you do, doesn't matter, do all to the what? The glory of God. Man, we glorify him in all things. And how do we do that? Becoming God-centered. God-centered. One author said this about this idea. I wonder how many of us could honestly say praising God characterizes my life. So think on that for just a moment. How many of us, and, and just, and again, understand what I say when I mean this, because I want to be clear. I'm not saying we got to walk around all the time being like, oh, 
Praise Jesus, because I found, you know, chicken at Walmart for like $1.89 a pound or something, okay? You ain't going to make a big scene about it. That's not what I'm getting at, okay? If you're in the produce section and you're getting excited because you found some some celery on sale or something, that's great. But I'm not talking about necessarily these outward expressions or these, you know, every five minutes you're like, praise the Lord, hallelujah, amen, you know, and all this. If that's how you want to praise and that's how God is leading you, fine, whatever. But it doesn't have to be that. When I ask the question of, does praising God characterize your life, it doesn't have to be a show. It doesn't got to be some big expression. It can be something just simple between you and God where you say, God, I want to thank you for that today. God, I want to praise you for this today. Maybe you share with someone, I just want you to know I've been praying for you. I'm praising God that he answered that prayer. It doesn't got to be a big show. It doesn't got to even be verbalized between you and someone else. It might just be between you and the Lord. And so when I say, does praising God characterize your life, it, it, it can be something so simple. Something so simple. It doesn't have to be maybe the big show that we think it has to be at times in our life. He goes on to say this. The extent to which we cannot say that, that praising God characterizes my life, the extent to which we cannot say that reflects the extent to which we are not God-centered. The extent to which we cannot say that, that praising God characterizes my life, is the extent to which we cannot say we are God-centered. We're not to be praised centered, but God-centered. A God-centered person will be a person of praise. As God's people, we should be focused on him in every situation, and therefore, we should be people of praise. See, this season, we're not praise-centered. We're praise-focused because we're God-centered. We're God-centered. He's everything to us. Therefore, our focus becomes that of praise. But the question arises, why not? praise-centered. Why not praise-centered? Why do I have to be God-centered to be praise-focused? Why not just focus everything on praise and be praise-centered? The simple answer is that there will be many days when you do not feel like you have anything to praise him for. We can tend to connect our praise of him for the stuff he blesses us with in that moment. Now, what's the truth? He does bless us, right? We are blessed beyond measure. Amen? I don't know about you, but I sit down and think, God, you are so good to me, far beyond what I could ever deserve, far beyond what I could ever earn. See, he does bless us with good things. James chapter 1 tells us that. And we should be thankful and praise him for those things. But the things are not the key. The things are not the key. When we are God-centered, our focus isn't on the provisions from God, but the God of the provisions. He is our emphasis. He is the focal point. See, we're God-centered, not praise-centered, because listen, if we're being real, can I just, and I don't do this to embarrass anybody, but I'll raise, I'm going to let you know, my hands are going up, okay? So just have a little bit of a safety net there. If the pastor's raising his hand, you can raise your hand, okay? Don't be worried about it, okay? Anybody not like raising your hands in church? Just kidding. Don't raise your hand there, because that was, okay. I always love doing that. They're like, me, I don't like doing it. Well, okay. Uh, how many of you would be honest enough to say that this last week there have been moments where you didn't feel like praising God? Raise your hand. And look around for a moment. Take a moment, look around. You know why? You can put your hands on. You know why that's so powerful? Because we're not always going to feel like praising him. But he's always God. See, that's the difference. If I'm God-centered 
and I'm focused on him. I'm glorifying him. I'm humble before him. I understand, at least to the finite way I can, the otherness of God. Man, he is great. The greatness of his majesty. He's always that. When I don't feel like he's that, when I don't feel like praising him, he doesn't change. By the way, there's a term for that in theology. It's called the immutability of God. And that big fancy word, immutability, literally means he doesn't change. Praise God he doesn't change. Because you know what? He saved you yesterday. He's saving you now, and he will save you tomorrow. And praise God that he doesn't decide at any given moment to say, nope, it's all off. The whole promise is gone. I've changed my mind. Praise God. He says in his word, I will never change. And so he doesn't change. What changes our emotions, our perspectives, our situations, our circumstances. And we try to make him that on-demand God that he's never called to be, right? God, I don't feel like praising you today because you didn't show up when I thought you would. Man, praise God, he's never failed, though. He's always on time. So when we're God-centered, our praise will flow out of that. And even when we don't feel like it, we'll do like what the psalmist says. No, 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 no. My soul will praise him, period. Because he is God. Not because I feel like it. So kind of to wrap this up, I want to put it kind of in a simple conclusion. These 12 days leading up to Thanksgiving, I want to challenge us to do something. I know we talked about the journal. If you're not a journaler, that's fine. I'm not going to like, you're not going to turn this in the Sunday after Thanksgiving, okay? There's no homework. I pray you would do that, though. I pray you'd sit down and write. Man, you ever write down the blessings of God and get to the end of a day or the end of a couple days and go, man, God, you're good. And we go by blessings all the time and don't acknowledge them. If our kids did that, we would say they're being ungrateful, wouldn't we? But we do that to God all the time. Let's stop and acknowledge, man, God, thank you for being the God that you are. But these 12 days leading up to Thanksgiving, I want to encourage you to decide to be thankful and grateful and an attitude of praise. As Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians, the verses are 16 through 18, but I'll give you kind of the key. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, jot it down for time's sake. We're not going to go there, but Paul says to the Thessalonian church, give thanks in all circumstances. The big idea is that we need to be, as one author put it, we need to become a gratitude junkie. I love that. We need to become a gratitude junkie and begin looking for, sometimes even hunting and digging for, the good things. The things that give us pleasure, comfort, joy, and stir up gratefulness. Then pause and simply whisper a quiet thank you. And we need to be honest enough to say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to purpose that the next 12 days, and by the way, I hope you're catching this, it's not going to end at Thanksgiving. That's the point. This is just the beginning to a lifestyle of saying, God, I'm centered on you, I'm glorifying you, and I'm praising you. But I'm going to search out the good things. Man, you know why I say search out? Because it's hard sometimes to find the good things, isn't it? Man, our day and age today, everybody wants to tell you all the things they don't like. But very few people will stop and say, but I'm really thankful for this. Everybody wants to complain and, and tell you all the things they're against. I don't like this, and I don't like that, and I don't like this. I mean, nowadays, you put up your Christmas tree too early. Everybody's on everything. How dare you? Who cares? It's their living room. Let them do what they want. All you all worried and worked up in a frenzy because they put their tree up a couple weeks early. Who cares? Why? 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 Be thankful that you get time to celebrate with family and friends. Why are you focused on all this other junk? And people spinning their wheels, spending a lot of energy, a lot of time, a lot of efforts, 
focusing on all the things they don't like. There's a lot of things I don't like. A lot of things I don't like. A lot, a lot of things I don't like. Okay? I don't like getting up in the morning. There, I've said it. I don't, I hate it. My alarm clock goes off at 6.30. I'm like, really? Again? Got to take the kids to school. Kids? Ugh, kids. Okay? Got to take them to school. I got to go adult today, you know? But listen, listen. We get so wrapped up in all this stuff we don't like. Guess what we're doing? Remember, we're changing our whole focus for that day. And at the end of the day, we're going to be more likely to say things like, oh, it was an okay day, rather than saying, man, God, thank you for a day that you gave me breath in my lungs. And the reason he gave you breath in your lungs is so that you could use that very same breath to say, God, thank you. God, thank you. There's lots of things you're not going to like. I get it. I'm not saying you can't share your opinion, okay? I'm not, I'm not here to police anybody or whatever. I don't, I don't care. But, but the point is, make a choice to say, if I'm going to complain about three things today, I'm going to praise God for ten. You know, like, like I'm going to purpose in my heart to praise him more than I complain today. I'm going to say something positive to someone today twice as much as I complain to someone today. I'm going to tell my spouse how much I appreciate them rather than constantly nitpicking at all the things they don't do that I want them to do. By the way, they'll never do all the things you want them to do. And if they did, you'd still find something you don't like. Just get over it. It's not about you anyway, okay? A little marriage advice for you. You want marriage advice? I'll give you marriage advice. Stop focusing on you. Focus on the other person and the Lord and you'll be fine. Anybody been married for like 40 years can agree that's how it goes, okay? I've only been married for 14, but I've been around some people that have been great encouragements to me. The key to a healthy marriage, focus on them and on your relationship with Jesus Christ and everything will be fine. Stop thinking it's about you being served first, just saying. But we do this, we complain all the time. No, 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 we're going to search, we're going to dig, we're going to hunt. And I just realized a little pun there. This isn't a hunting message, Okay. Just throwing that, it's just, it just comes naturally. It's just, that's how, how good it is. We're going to hunt for these things because, man, we're going to purpose to be grateful. We're going to even, by the way, examine the difficult things. We're going to examine the difficult things too and to be thankful for what God is doing in the trial. That's tough. But Paul's words don't change because of our circumstances. He says, give thanks in all circumstances. And again, we read that and think, oh, the Apostle Paul has no idea what he's talking about. He's not going through what I went through. Just take a few minutes and study the life of the Apostle Paul. The man that wrote that was shipwrecked, beaten, left for dead, imprisoned, finally beheaded by the Roman Empire for refusing to deny Christ and not preach the gospel. I think if he can write and say, no, 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 I'm going to be thankful in all things. And maybe we can sit back and say, God, thank you for the trials because even though the trial is not what I want and I don't believe that, I, that, that this trial is good, I'm not happy about the trial, but I'm so thankful because you're still God in the trial. And I'm going to thank you for that. We can choose to trust that he is working all things together for our good. We can choose to have faith in him and his goodness and learn to thank him even for the tough stuff. And so my challenge to us today is simple. How are you going to spend the next 12 days? Are you going to spend the next 12 days just like you spent the last 12, complaining and just kind of, oh, it's not what I want. It's not going like I thought. Or are we going to say, no, God, I'm going to get humble. I'm going to glorify you. I'm going to center on you. And I'm going to praise you 
for all that you are and all that you are doing in my life, even though it's not what I want, but you are God, and I'm going to trust that you are good. Maybe you'd spend the next 12 days journaling down and saying, Lord, this is how I'm thankful. This is how I'm grateful. Because if we get God-centered and praise-focused, it won't end on Thanksgiving. It'll continue on, and it'll be something that I guarantee you. Spend the next year doing that. And next Thanksgiving, you will be a whole different person. It's crazy how God can change us when we just get God-centered and God-glorifying. And so how would you respond to that challenge this morning? Maybe in a moment you'd come and bend a knee and say, God, I'm going to praise you even though it's not what I want. I'm going to search for the things I want to be great thankful for. Or maybe we'll do this. Let's do this. Maybe we'll start today, the first day of the 12 days of Thanksgiving and praise, and just bend a knee and say, God, today I'm thanking you for my salvation. And so maybe you'd come in just a moment and bend a knee and say, God, I'm going to praise you. Whatever God is doing, would you respond to him? And ultimately, let me close with this. The greatest gift, the greatest thing that we can be thankful for is that Jesus Christ left the realms of glory, came to this world, lived a sinless life, died on a sinner's cross, was buried in a borrowed tomb, and rose again on the third day. And the Bible says that anyone, anyone who places their faith in Jesus Christ alone will be forgiven of all sin and set for eternity in heaven not because of what you do for God, but because of his grace and love for you. So if you've never personally received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe today you'd come and say, God, I'm going to begin these 12 days of praise by receiving you as my Savior so I can see all the things that I can be thankful for in this life and in the life to come. Whatever God is doing, would you respond to him as you bow your heads there where you are? And we close with a word of prayer. With every head bowed and Nobody looking around. I'm going to ask that you would just begin to spend time with God right now. That you would ask him to lead God and direct in your heart and mind. I'm going to ask that you would ask him to open your eyes and and open your mind to the things that you can be thankful for. I'm going to ask that you would spend this time with God and say, God, I know that uh, I, I, I can get caught up in the season of thanks. That just because of a holiday, we start thinking on these things. But I... Just maybe between you and God, you would say, God, I want it to be more than that. I want to be God-glorifying and God-centered so that my praise comes out from those foundations, not just a season on the calendar. And if you're here today and maybe you are struggling with believing that God really is all that he says he is, maybe you're struggling to believe that God is worthy of praise because of what you've gone through and what you're going through, I pray that you would ask God, God, you know my heart. You know I don't get it. God, you know I'm angry about what you're doing or what's going on in my life. I pray that that as you're praying that to God, that you would realize that God's not doing anything to you. Yes, God is allowing some trials into your life. But I pray that you would open your heart and mind and say, God, show me that you're still there with me in the trial. And that while I don't understand what this is about or what purpose you're going to bring from this, I do know this, that you're working all things together for good that you are making me to the image of Christ, that somebody else would come to know Christ through this experience. Father, we pray that you would be glorified in all that has been said and done and all that will be said and done. I pray for those here today, Lord, that are struggling in this area of gratitude, struggling in this area of praise. I pray that we would know and that they would know that you are worthy of, worthy of all that we could give. May we use every breath we've been gifted to praise you. And so, Father, thank you for all that you're doing, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning?
as the praise band leads us in a song of invitation. Again, would, how are you going to start the 12 days? Maybe you'd come and say, God, I'm going to start with thanking you for my salvation and thanking you for the relationship I have with you. Maybe you want to come and receive Christ. I'd love to talk to you up front here about that if you have any questions on that. Whatever God is doing, would you respond to him? Maybe you'd come and pray, bend a knee and say, thank you, Lord, for all that you are and all that you're doing.